If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Not getting into universities, dropping out of universities just did kind of feel a bit like, oh God, I've balls this up. Like this isn't, this isn't what a successful job is. Yeah. And I just remember like writing this essay at, at um, the application process for LCF and like going for an interview and it's and going home from Ludbrook Grove just crying on the tube and being like that's it, what now? And it did feel a bit like what now because from that point you're like what do I do? Like how do I go forward? And it kind of is up to you. Hello and welcome back to Beautiful Lives, a podcast in which I, Madeline Spencer, am joined by guests to share some of the challenges they faced and triumphs they've enjoyed during their life, as well as touching on the relationship between their inner and outer self and where beauty memories and rituals have had an impact. Today, I'm joined by the blogger, author and founder of the Insecure Girls Club, Liv Purvis, to talk about how she came to find success online, on the joys and pitfalls of that job, how her experiences led her to found the Insecure Girls Club and how she finds balance today. One of the standout things about Liv is that her life and passions aren't a construct. She's emphatically herself. And I found myself smiling while listening back to this during the edit because she's so natural and just a joy to chat to. So I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Here's Liv. Tell me about young Liv. Young Liv, oh my goodness. Was it young Olivia or young Liv? a bit of both I mean I feel like Olivia is what people call me when they either don't know me that well or I'm in trouble so I feel like if someone meets me and they're like hi Olivia I'm like oh I've done what I've done oh god um like I mean growing up I've, I've had like my, my dad calls me Polly or mom calls me Livy so it's kind of like I've I think Liv is like that's the name I'm that's me that's who yeah. I am um but oh, tell me about young Liv. I'm like, that's such a big question. I'm like, how far back do you want to go? Go right to the beginning. Right to the beginning. What kind of for you? I was, oh, oh, I feel like I've always been very, I don't know, like, I've, I look back and I'm like, I'm so myself, I'm so myself, but yeah. like, I've always loved like performing. And it, it's weird because I feel like it, one of the things my nan always says is like, oh, she used to take me to ballet and I love dancing, but I always dragged her on to the floor with me like she mm-hmm. had to hold my hand mm-hmm. and I feel like that's so reflective of who I am as an adult like I love like I don't know not performing because that feels like I'm like online being like the live show but like I've always loved kind of being creative but always had that kind of side of me that's really like self-aware of it as well and quite conscious so I've always been like oh god even when I did like drama I went to like stagecoach growing up I was so like oh, I know we would be good here in, like, an audition. Like, I should do a great American accent. But I was too, like, oh, God, people will think I'm so stupid if you do that. Part of me thinks that's a British sensibility mixed with a natural um, performer. So yeah. it's like you are the performer, but somewhere in you there's that British voice going, no, no, dear. Yeah, like, honestly, like, you sound ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that kind of helped me help me back like mm. I could be on Broadway right now could be on Broadway <laughs> I'm yeah. wasted yeah but I feel there's always been that part of me that's always been kind of like nervous about the concept of attention right despite what I do which is yeah. so like I feel it's 
even with my job now I'm so conflicted with you know obviously being center stage and kind of talking about my life and being quite vulnerable online but also being like oh that feels so unnatural for me as well because I don't love it's weird I don't love being the center of attention but if you looked at what I do on Instagram and like watch me on stories like sometimes I'm like oh my god my neighbors must think god she really (laughs) loves the sound of her own voice but then I'm like I don't yeah but but I like talking like is this this weird conflict that you're constantly grappling against online um but yeah I loved like dancing all I love being creative I mean my parents my dad's very very creative what does your dad do he's a barber okay (laughs) with very normal haircuts but he's always been really into music and he very much kind of Mm -hmm. took me to my first gigs um what kind of music was he into all sorts of things he loves Bob Dylan I've seen like Bob Dylan with him um like I'm trying to think now, I'm like, oh God, what's my dad like? It's such a lot of pressure, like Bowie, like just yeah, real yeah. kind of... Good music. Real good, good music. music. And yeah. he's always been like, I mean, when I was growing up, I loved like reading The Enemy and we went to a gig. My dad would always come with me and my best friend to gigs and he'd kind of sit up and like, do you remember the Astoria? Yes. The best venue ever. Hmm. Thanks, TFL. Uh, that's for another podcast. But <laughs> he would go and sit upstairs and we'd be downstairs and... There was one occasion where we went and he got talking to a journalist and she was like, oh, I work for the NME. And my dad was like, oh, that's amazing. My daughter's like, was, was wanted to like do some work experiences. She gave me the, like her email and it kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, so I emailed and I did some work experience at the NME, but like, he's just always been like someone that's just, I don't know. It's like, I've never felt like people are like, oh, you go to gigs with your dad. That's, that's nice. And I'm like, no, but it's, it's cool. I'm not like thing. <laughs> so I'm thinking about the music thing as being also an aesthetic thing because around those singers there is a look, right? And there's a kind of and, <laughs> and I'm thinking about how you are quite I don't want to say retro, but you know, you appreciate a nod to the sixties yeah. and I, you yeah, kind of feel, channel that a bit. I feel like I mean I I'd like to think that that's kind of it's I suppose my, my style is so influenced by what I listen to mm-hmm. and I look back at I mean, it was definitely inspired by what I listened to in 2008. If you'd yeah. seen me, like, yellow skinny jeans, like, very into new rave, then right. very into, like, emo music. I was, I've always been very governed by, like, those things. Emo music was a time. It, it was a time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, like, I really fancied myself as, like, Panic at the Disco's number one fan. Right. I was like, I'm going to see them in Vegas. Obviously, I was 15 and it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> a girl can dream. Um yeah. But I feel like that's kind of been like, I mean, my mum and my nan are both big into fashions. So that's kind of also been like a big influence. Um, so I feel like it's funny becoming a parent now, mm. you often, one thing I've thought about a lot is kind of like, oh, like I think just bringing up a child, how can I make them a good human? Yeah. Like how can, all you want is for your child to just be a, a nice, kind, considerate, well-rounded person. I think actually, when I look at my parents and how I liked them, I am completely subconsciously. Mm. I find such comfort in that because I'm actually like, God, I'm so much like my mum and dad without trying in any respect. And I think there's something quite nice to hold on to about the fact that hopefully a child just inherits part of that. Yes, what they see. Yeah, that's the thing. So I'm kind of like, oh, actually, maybe if I just listen to like terrible terrible music and dress really weird that's just what my child's yeah. gonna be like, you're just you yeah <laughs> just, that's yeah. the thing just like I just cool waistcoats and yeah. weird stuff but tell me about your mum so my mum she's like she's we're so similar like painfully similar um but she's just my best friend like mm-hmm. we just I've always I've been really lucky to have a really kind of close friend like relationship with her which yeah. has always meant that 
I've been able to talk to her about things like boys and skincare and all these different things and mm-hmm. go shopping with her and never feel like weird about it. Like with yeah. my parents, I never see them as like, oh God, my, my parents are yeah. embarrassing. I've always been like, they're really cool. Like yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. and I think that's something that again, I feel really like I'm so grateful for. Like I just, I'm just like, oh, do you have siblings then? I've got a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. And who's, so you just this close family. Yeah, like and that's, and it's, I think, yeah, they've very much shaped me. And my, me and my brother are very similar, but also very different because he's very quiet, mm-hmm. but very dry and quick. Whereas I think I'm just kind of like a bit of the opposite. I'm loud and I'm just like, I made a joke. I, went, I did a funny everyone. <laughs> and he's just very much like, just comes out with a one liner. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow doesn't say a lot when he does <laughs> so in your household when you were young what yes. was the culture around beauty and appearance was your mum someone who's into that she what like she, she wasn't she wasn't like she like I, it's never really something I picked up on until later on especially when I started getting into more beauty and skincare that's when I was kind of like oh she's always mm. done this and mm. that's when you kind of start picking up and be like I know about this now too yeah. mum um, and like my nan's always used like Lazelle's cleanse and polish and now I'm kind of oh I can talk to you about that like I know about the latest launches yeah. as well now <laughs> um which is probably like okay bless you mm-hmm. um but it's it's funny because I speak a little bit about this in the book where I talk about how I think my mum's generation there's always been quite a lot of pressure on, mm-hmm. on how you look and I remember like things like there's always like there's always scales in the house and just things like that and I remember like potentially like, her and my nan like, weighing themselves and things like that and I do look back and I'm kind of like god that's so strange to me now do you have scales in your house no I, I don't have scales in my house but they were always at my parents house they were house. always at yeah. my parents house yeah. and and it was kind of something I thought oh that's what you do yeah. like that's as a woman you just weigh yourself like and, and I'm like how weird like how weird that that's just something we did and I, th- I think my parents didn't have them for a long time but my nan did so when we went over to the house my mum would be like oh can I buy the scales and she'd weigh us and I'm just kind of like why did we do that yeah and I think that's kind of something that I've unlearned a lot because I'm just like I don't like I don't need scales I need scales for a suitcase but I don't yeah. need to like I don't it doesn't matter I'm very much more like if my clothes fit and I feel good and I feel happy in myself but what helps you unlearn that? Because I know that, say, so you do a lot with Insecure Girls Club, yes. and that's something that you've obviously unpicked quite consciously, I yeah. would say. What helped you? In that? I don't know. I, th- I, I feel like it's almost a, a cocktail of, like, following lots of different people online who speak about body positivity and kind of almost being more aware of those things. Because mm. I think sometimes you exist and those things are so habitual, like you don't even pick up on them and you just think, oh, that's just what you do. And then actually when you see, I don't know, a meme on Instagram saying, why do people weigh themselves? And you're kind of like, God, that is a good question, isn't it? And then that's when you become more aware of those things and actually how problematic to a point they can actually be. Mm -hmm. And I think it was probably part of that, but also maybe moving out as well and kind of having to navigate making lots of decisions on my own I think because I'm part of such a close family I think sometimes even getting dressed I'd be like oh does this look good how does this look and sometimes you're so reliant on the opinions of others that some when you go into a new kind of space and you're living I mean I was living with my husband now husband but I think he's not someone that's like oh yeah that looks like he just kind of does his own thing so I kind of was like oh okay I have to 
I make a lot, I, like, this sounds really pathetic saying it out loud, but you just make a lot of decisions on your mm. own, actually. You're kind of more conscious about things, and mm. you're like, what makes me feel good? What doesn't make me feel good? Why am I doing these things? And it's almost like, because I didn't, I, was, I went to university and then dropped out, I didn't have that big growth period at university mm-hmm. where I, like, became a young adult. I kind of went from being at sick form, was at university for, like, a couple of months, then moved back home. So it's mm. kind of... It's it's been a different route, I think, yeah. to growing up. So you touched on uni. I just want to look at your education. Oh, my well? edu- your education. So when you were a teenager, and that's generally when people start to merge with what they want to do, or, or rather have to put that into subjects and yes. say, okay, I always wanted to be this, but yeah. this is the subject. What did you do? What did you choose to do? I've always loved, like, art. I mean, I went to an all-girls school, which is, which was... I, I, it was where my best friend from primary school was going and I was like perfect that'll yeah. do and I in fairness I did meet my best friend there who is my best friend today and I wouldn't change the world but going to an all-girls school it, even with that with the connection of beauty that's so it was like I look back and I'm like in many respects it meant I didn't ever wear makeup to school because I was like I've got no one to impress oh really because I went to an all-girls school for a while in my yeah. early teens and um, it was quite makeupy. It was, but I think the makeupy side of it was very Drew Matt Moose. Um, lots of fake tan, extensions, eyebrow booking. Okay, so you were still doing it, but it wasn't. I mean, I didn't do it. Like I was very it? much like, oh, I'm like, it's, and even now I look back at it, I'm like, oh, I had no one to impress, so I'm not yeah. going to bother putting makeup on, as if that's the only reason you put makeup on. <laughs> yeah. But I felt quite like liberated by that. Like yeah. I'm like, there's no boys here. Why would I bother? Like, and actually, on the other hand, I'm like quite admired the girls that did wear makeup. So yeah. I'm like, you just did it for you. Yeah. Like that's even cooler <laughs> so I did study like art and history and then I moved sick forms mm. um because it was near of home and like the sick form was better blah 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 um and I did history art photography and English lit right. um and I loved them all like I've always loved writing um and it was that kind of thing where I was like I had no idea what I wanted to do though like it felt really broad um because the job I'm in now didn't exist and I was very much like I think if you were into writing or fashion it's like you would be a journalist or a stylist or a photographer like there were small categories of things that you kind of didn't realize that you could be like there's so many other pockets and like kind of veins off of those careers that I didn't even know existed and it was very much like oh so you want to go into journalism I was like I didn't know I wanted to do that, but I felt like that's the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of applied to different universities and I didn't get into like the red brick ones I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I went to Liverpool in the end, which was amazing. It's just well, the course was not right at all. But I moved home, then I applied to that LCF and I was like, this is my calling. Didn't get in, thought it was the end of the world. Um, and I was like, I was, I was devastated, I was really heartbroken because I thought that's that was that's how you do it but especially at that point because you have no you don't know what's going to come after you don't know that you're going to have the success so I think at that point it's like you feel like all those little stamps of approval or not are really significant yeah oh massively and everyone who comes on here pretty much says god if I'd have known that that meant nothing yeah like it would have been so much more cheering but I think that when you're young it's every single step is really important because it's getting you closer to where you want to be completely and it feels really pivotal I think the education system all feels really pivotal as well Mm -hmm. because there's never an you're not really given an alternative like you're not told that when you're when you finish school you could intern or you could you know go into like I'm I'm looking for a word I can't find it but um apprenticeships and things like that like you're never told about those things really it's always like UCAS university 
they're not held up as being as good as i mean my parents never put that pressure on me i was very fortunate that it wasn't it was very much more school-based than home-based they're they're very much like whatever makes you happy and they've always very much been like that which is very cool Mm. um but not getting into universities dropping out of universities just did kind of feel a bit like oh god i balls this up like this isn't this isn't what a successful journalist would do um and i just remember like writing this essay at at, um the application process for lcf and like going for an interview and it's and going home from ludbrook grove just crying on the tube and being like that's it what now and it did feel a bit like what now because from that point you're like what do i do like how do i go forward and it kind of is up to you and i think you have to have that kind of self drive a little bit i mean fortunate at this point the one thing i think that did kind of give me a bit of a nod of not recognition was when i was at university before i dropped out Mm. i was writing my blog at that point and i'd won um a cosmo blog award when i mean at the time they felt enormous it felt like winning a brit award Mm. (laughs) um and it was what it was something that I kind of won without having to be like, please vote for me or really knowing that it existed. And I think that was a point where I was kind of like, okay, so people are reading this. Mm-hmm. And it was that kind of gentle, like subtle, you can do this. Yeah. Even if things are going on, there are other things. It's not that subtle. I mean, it's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the time, yeah. And yeah. it was like, that's the thing. I think I look back now because I think blogging has changed so much in the mm. last 10 years that, I don't know, it probably won't carry, wouldn't carry the same weight. So you started your blog in 2010, right? Yes. So you're kind of a veteran. What do you oh. think? <laughs> veteran of blogging. I love that. <laughs> when you were 17, what do you think has changed? What are the significant things that have changed? I just, I think, I mean, it's it's changed in so I think when I started blogging, Instagram didn't exist. So it was very much, you wrote a blog, you're a blogger. Like that's, like, that was what you did. And, and what were you writing about in the early days? outfits fashion a lot of the things i write about now um but a bit as well little bits like i mean i remember like it would just be like i I remember some of the early posts i went to like center parks i had a manicure and it was like a latent anyone i was like i'm gonna take that bottle and write about it or like i had a kath kidston hand cream and i was like this is premium did you have the illness where once you've switched on that side of your brain yeah everything is content yeah you kind of literally see anything like i could write about i could could honestly i put that beautiful pillow (laughs) i will write about you like honestly and but i loved it and 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 just i love sharing things and Mm. that's always stayed very constant but i think that was like your only outlet. You didn't have Instagram. It was the content was slower. It was a bit more long form. I say that some you, you'd look back at early posts and be like, "Oh, bless you, long form content. That's sweet." Um, but I think like influencer wasn't a word. It wasn't yeah. as saturated, um, which is obviously there's so many positives to the fact that it is more saturated now because it's a recognised industry. But obviously, as things become more saturated, there's it kind of one word to kind of define a whole industry feels less appropriate now because obviously people use instagram for different things and different forms of business whereas i still feel very much like oh no i'm a blogger because i still blog i still blog like two or three times a week i love it Mm -hmm. um but i think it's kind of almost having to shake off the negative connotations of influencer i was going to ask you what you think the merits of a blog versus using instagram as an insta blog yeah (sighs) i feel like people I mean, typically people use Instagram more. Like, yeah. that's a complete obvious one because I think people's attention span is a lot smaller and people want to get content quickly and they want to just see something, get a recommendation, go. 
Um, so I think it's adapted the way I blog in a way because it's meant that if I do write a blog post, I feel like it has to be a bit more useful and it has to have more value and it has to last longer than... And it, like, I feel like with Instagram, the content on there can be feel quite disposable sometimes because you're kind of like, I can share a quick outfit picture. Mm-hmm. And it's quite candid and it's quite diary-like, whereas I think on the blog, like, I will post, like, a guide to somewhere or, like, a, a bigger piece about talking about how I feel mm-hmm. or something like that because... You, you can't get that on Instagram. So it's trying to offer something that you think, well, you can't get this on there, so yeah. why don't you come over here? Can I talk to you a bit about the money side of blogging? Because yeah. when you start out, the thing yeah. you do is everything comes with no money, right? Yeah. Like, generally speaking. So you're kind of taking a punt and putting a lot of time into something. Yeah. And most people who have blogs on Instagram, or most people I've spoken to, will say, well, I was passionate about it anyway. I'd kind of done it yeah. anyway. It wasn't like I was thinking about the money. But then, obviously, if you put a lot of time in something and you're a grown-up, you yeah. need to eat and pay rent. Yeah. So um, how did you manage that side of it? And when did you start to realise, actually, you know what, I could live off this and it could be my whole job? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a, I, 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 I will pull that. Oh, I was just passionate about it. I didn't really miss And I didn't. And initially, when I started it, there was no money in it. I remember I think the first thing I ever got sent was a pair of like flared trousers from AX Paris and I was like oh, I've made it I'm like Christina Aguilera right now like I mean I don't know why I don't know why she came to mind but yeah. she why not Big probably gets loads of good stuff <laughs> she yeah. gets loads of cool flared yeah. trousers yeah. um so I kind of that was the real like oh my god this is and the thing is I was working at the time mm-hmm. in retail I was interning um so I was able to do it and never really be conscious of the facts that I needed to earn from it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, okay, if this is going to be a business, we've got to take this seriously, Live. It was very much just like, oh, this is fun. I'd come home from working at Topshop on a Sunday and be like, oh, I'll stand in the garden, like, oh, mum, can you quickly take a picture of my outfit? Right. And then I'd be like, oh, I'll just go home shift, da 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 yeah. Just because I liked sharing those things. It wasn't like, you can buy my outfit here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tag everything. But I think it's because I saw that's what other people did. Yeah. It wasn't like, here's what you can buy. It was more like that I liked seeing what other people wore mm-hmm. and where they got their clothes. But there wasn't like a real like state businessman yeah. element to it. Yeah. Um, so it was very much like I was working part time and it was very much something I, because it wasn't ever an industry, I never thought this will be my job in four years time if I mm-hmm. keep at it and I can accept brand projects because that concept wasn't the thing so it was very much like something might come in and I could like eventually drop one day working in the shop I was working in and it very much happened like that and it was very kind of organic because as well I lived at home at the time and I was very lucky to live at home I wasn't paying rent so that often meant that like I didn't need to be like right we really need to get going because and yeah. because I've grown up in South London there's like obviously enormous privilege with that when it comes to interning and getting your foot in the door is that you can live at home rent free yeah. you don't have to worry about those things which is something that I think as I've grown up more and more I'm like Christ that's a ridiculous privilege that mm-hmm. everyone should have access to to be able to get that experience. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. 
warbyparker.com slash covered. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. like it very much perhaps this has a negative connotation but i don't mean for it to but sort of sucked you in as in like yeah. you did a little bit and then you did it more yeah and you did it at what point did you draw your boundaries and what are your boundaries with it i feel like i don't really it's very interesting because i don't think i think boundaries for me are quite a new thing like i think it's more something that over the last few years I've been more aware of I think I've always kind of done it with this kind of real sincerity that I've kind of it's been like a diary and it's always been very much documenting things and there's never really been this kind of big plan to talk about my life or anything whereas I do think in the last few like I mean I was on YouTube quite a lot and I think that's definitely a platform where I think with comments especially people are very like I don't know you give a little bit and I think people want a little bit more and I do the same when I watch YouTubers I'm kind of like oh my god so like it's almost a bit like reality TV to a point because you're watching people's lives so intimately Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of like why are they not giving me more like I want to know about what's going on it's a funny thing the the blogger let's say the influencer sphere because it sits between celebrity and normal person I want to say in inverted commas um, so between the two, on the one hand, you feel like, well, they're just like me, so they should tell me everything because they're like a friend that yeah. I can ask anything. And yet at the same time, it's not quite like that. It's a, yeah. I don't want to say persona, but it is a but it's business a, built around a personality it's in a life. Very, yeah, it's a yeah. really kind of strange one, I think. Like, again, when I started YouTube, it, it was very much my point of just like, oh, it's nice to have these vid- things to document and look back on. Yeah. Um, and I think more and more, I'm kind of, as I'm growing up, I'm a bit like... I don't know, I don't have to document everything. I don't have to, and I think I said to you earlier, there's a real grappling with, obviously the word authenticity is yeah. such a huge thing, especially when you share your life online because you want to be authentic. Mm. Um, but equally, I don't think you have to be super vulnerable and expose everything about yourself to be authentic. I think there is a middle ground in which you can exist online and talk about things, but equally you don't have to give everything because you don't owe anyone anything. It sounds to me like you're a natural chronicler of life. Like if you'd lived in 1700, perhaps you'd be Boswell, right? Like writing about life. One can hope. (laughs) And you would have put everything in there. Now that, I mean, his description, I think it was 1700s. Let's say, for argument's sake, 1700s. I'm not going to pull you up on that. I'm not sure. Now I'm annoyed because I'm like, when was it? Anyway, whenever he was writing about London, um, and I'm pretty sure that he writes a description of two people having sex on a bridge right and how it like looked <laughs> yeah and then he goes on and he means everything right like yeah. i mean talk like exposes he was exposing all over the place yeah. right it was like completely completely revelatory and completely everything and perhaps you're famous in a scene but no one knows what you really look like so you yeah. might go in someone say hi i'm james boswell and people would be like you wrote that book but yeah. by and large people can't point a finger at you you can pretty much write what you want yeah. and be very explicit when you have a blog and a you know and your face is in places yeah everywhere you go that follows you around when I started it was very much like you wrote a blog post and you might get a few comments and it was like I mean it was you'd you'd get more comments on a blog now than you would um, then than you would now sorry but it wasn't very much like you were kind of just talking like it was it was like Lizzie McGuire or something it was kind of like dear diary (laughs) 
Um, whereas now, I think, I think perhaps it's getting older and it's, it's almost how the internet's changing as well, how people are using it. And it's, I don't know. I mean, there's so many people online. I'm not, I'm not at a point where I'm like, oh, people are just so invested that I need to be more careful. But equally, I think, especially being pregnant, you're kind of like, this is somebody else's life as well now. Like, how much of them do I want to give away? Mm. And it's nice to have things just to, for yourself as well. And mm. I think, especially with something like motherhood and parenting, I think so many people have, like, their own experience of it, which is amazing. And again, it's the community aspect that I really value because you can take so much advice from people but then sometimes it's so overwhelming that you're like actually it's quite nice to just experience it and try and navigate it on your own I'm more aware of it as I get older because I'm like that's a lot of people and I think you almost become desensitized to it because you follow loads of people on Instagram you see loads you yeah. see big numbers all the time yeah, yeah and you're very much like, oh that's nice and then you're actually like no, that's that that actual people and that's quite overwhelming. It's funny you say that with my much more modest follower number. But I was talking to someone, um, a little girl who is into makeup, and she's a friend, a friend's daughter, and she's yeah. like, you know, ten, and she's getting into makeup, and she was like to me, oh, but like you have this big Instagram following. I was like, no, 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 I don't. Like not like n- not in the industry at all. I was like, no, 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 I have like very much. And she's like, but that is that many people. And suddenly yeah. I had the same thing of thinking, actually, if I even knew that many people, I'd be. I wouldn't be able to remember who they were. Yeah. So actually, like close to two hundred thousand followers is a hell of a lot it, of people. And I think that's the thing. I'm kind of like that is actually a lot of people that know like a lot about what's going on with mm-hmm. your life. Which mm-hmm. again, like it's I put it out there. Like yeah. I put it out there to, to be received, I suppose, yeah. to an extent. But it's also that's a lot of different like yeah. I think that's the thing it's like if you were giving a talk I was saying like you wouldn't be able to like not like that many people would never always be happy with everything you'd said so it is trying to navigate that and obviously remain really true to your things but also like your things yourself but also mm. navigate the fact that you might say something and it, not everyone will be happy with that yeah but, and I think because of that like Joe always like my husband always says like you know those people <laughs> have followed you for an enormity of different reasons mm. it might be because you love Strictly Come Dancing it might be because you talk about beauty or fashion or music and the person that follows you for music might not like that thing you talk about so it's almost like you're there's lots of people <laughs> when you're not doing one facet this is the problem because people might like one side of you or yeah. one thing you talk about and not be interested in the others but the thing is you're a human being yeah which brings me to the idea of representing everything we we're talking about how you know you can't possibly stand up for every cause you can't possibly yeah. represent everything and yet if you don't there can be challenges with yeah. that. I wondered about this in terms of Insecure Girls Club because that's something about that is that it, it really homed in on a moment where people were talking about this and it was yeah. really interesting because people are... Insecurity is rife anyway, but with the online world, even more so. Yeah. And I think that's something that was... It was really interesting. And I remember when you set it up, me think, I was thinking, this is great, but it's such a good place to have that separate platform. Yeah. But what made you feel so strongly about that that you thought actually this is worthy of doing a separate thing I think it kind of ties back into the having different facets and I think because I already spoke about a number of things Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to feel like a secondary thing Mm -hmm. to what I do I didn't want it to be like oh a nice piece on the blog about why I live feel self-conscious today I felt Mm -hmm. like it was a bigger conversation to be had and I thought because I'm talking about fashion and travel and blah 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 blah, it might just get lost within that and it was something I thought, A, 
I didn't want it to just kind of fall by the wayside, but B, it wasn't just about me. And it was something that I know that when I had conversations on Instagram stories with people, there were a lot of people that felt similarly. And it was nice to have, it's nice to have a platform that isn't mm-hmm. just about me. What came up again and again? What insecurities? Just, I think it was that compare. I think with the internet comparison, it was friendships, work, um, even just things like Instagram, like all of these similar veins that we all share. Mm-hmm. And I'd say something really, to me, which felt quite trivial, and someone would be like, no, I, that's, I feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, I think having my own blog and my Instagram, that is primarily about me, but I didn't want it to just be another platform of me talking about why I'm worried about this, that, or the other, right. because my experience, as you know, a white, able-bodied, straight woman is very one of that of extreme privilege, and everyone's in like for me just to say oh god I feel really worried about this so, like, I'm so aware that sometimes when you kind of talk about those things they can sound tone deaf because it's like oh well you live in a nice house in London like you write a blog for a living like where's the tiny violin guys so it was almost being able to create a platform where other people could talk about their insecurities mm-hmm. and like be behind the cameras and talk to people extend that conversation but then not just be about me because it's almost like kind of winding back to the beginning of our conversation talking about like how you know with what I do you'd think oh I love being the center of attention but actually it's talking to people it's Mm -hmm. like documenting things it's that kind of other side of it which I've loved so much and has meant that with the Insecure Girls Club I've had such a lot of joy from that because it feels like talking about something that I don't have to like I don't have to be the, the one person it's kind of like no this this is about you this is about all of us do any insecure boys get in touch do you know they don't but I said the thing is I said to Joe I was like there is like, Joe was like there's such a space for that but yeah. I was like I have no authority I have no space to maybe Joe could do I said that to him I was like <laughs> yeah. please like there needs to be something so because yeah. I feel like men's insecurities and mental health issues are similar in many ways but so different but I'm not I'm not I'm not bloke tell me about <laughs> because we are talking about you so I feel like you just said in the most wonderful way that it's not all about you but I just want to ask <laughs> oh, <gosh>. about you <laughs> please what are your insecurities oh. or rather what have they been what what tugs at those threads that make you question things god just so many things I feel comparison I feel like with friendships I can I, I think every facet you can read into like I know that sometimes I'm like a bit flaky or a bit too needy or I feel like I'm like oh god you're really annoying you love the sound of your own voice but people probably think this people probably think that and not worthy of being in the job that I'm in and like even with things like beauty I had really bad acne growing up like awful mm. um and I feel like that kind of follow not doesn't follow me around but I'm just very mm. like I'm like oh, it's god. always in I mean I had acne it's always in you like, it's just yeah. and it was it was bad yeah. <laughs> like I, I think I've got a picture I'll find it yeah. later what did you do visual. when you had acne did you cover it with makeup or did no no and I was about like I mean it was probably wow. from the age of like 10 to like 13 14 um and I just tried everything. I had like went to the doctors, went on the pill from about eleven, because that was the only thing that ended up getting rid of it. But it was just like, and I remember starting secondary school having to have like eight of my baby teeth out because they wouldn't come out, and I was just like spotty and had about four teeth. And I was like, this is cool. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is a real time for me, guys. Um, but I think there's just, there's lots of different things. I mean, even God, just 
oh, I can't like I feel like I can't even I can't begin mm, mm. but I feel like we're all so similar with the things we all can like worry about and are insecure about it's funny because as you pointed out sort of you live this one existence this is your life but then someone who is from a completely different background completely different yeah. appearance completely different ability level whatever it is yeah generally speaking I have found that you talk to people from anywhere with any life experience and there are so many more things that unite yeah that divide you yeah. and all the things that divide you are quite surface and yeah actually the human experience is really similar I think that's it and I think that's what I found a lot with the insecure girls club like it's been like there are so many like common themes that we'll get submissions mm-hmm. about or get emails about and it's so nice because I mean we have pieces about people like I don't know like about female health um mm-hmm. A girl called Charlotte wrote a piece about like really hating being at home alone and how anxious it makes her feel. And I get that. And I, th- I hate read it. that piece. I'm gonna but have to I read know, it. And that's yeah. how I, I've always felt like that. And I felt really silly because I'm, I'm yeah. a grown woman. Like I shouldn't. I should be able to be at home alone. And I'm and, pathetic about and being at home I'm alone. I'm pathetic. Yeah. I am really, really. I, I really am. Like, and I hate it. I hate spending a night alone, which is ridiculous. And even saying it out loud, people go, "Oh my god, come on, grow up." But well, I have to turn the switch in my head, so I'll be scared and I'll be thinking, "Is um, am I going to be either is a poltergeist going to come in, yeah. or is a criminal going to? Oh, yeah, what is which it? Is yeah. it? Which yeah. is it? Which yeah. is it today, guys? Is it supernatural? Yeah. Is it real? And then I have to have this moment where I go, "No, you are a grown up. You yeah. go to bed." <laughs> and <laughs> that's how I feel. And I'm like, I can't watch scary films for that reason. No, like, no, no, I, just, no, no. I watched the um, what's the one with the 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 fool? The one with Jamie Dornan. Oh, I haven't watched that. Bit Don't, scary. Do not watch. Yes. It. If you're scared of being at home alone, because it took about a year for me to get over. Yes, yeah, I watched. Is it was is it kind of similar to? Um, oh my god, why is my brain just collapsed? Um, Luther, is it? Oh yes, but only he literally stands outside women's houses, breaks in. When okay, not there, yeah, and it's like so. It's so if you're a woman who's ever at home alone, it's it's. Because really I had scary. to ask my sister, and I was like, so where is it on the Luther scale? Yeah, and don't she was watch like, it. it's worse than that. Don't watch it. Yeah, it's worse psychologically. Yeah, than, like, the like, idea of someone, and he watches people, and that's oh, the yeah, other thing. Can't do that. Like, can't do yeah, that. Hate that. When when you are insecure, when you have these challenges, what is it in your mind that steadies you? Is it generally someone else coming in, like Joe, saying you're fine, or do you have like a mantra? Or dealing with it it's sometimes it's a bit of both and sometimes I'm really good at picking myself out of things mm-hmm. and I'm really good at like I think it's almost having like having the the club the club mm-hmm. um and having the book I've had to kind of I've kind of taught myself a lot of the things and it sounds like it's re- I've, I've had to start taking my own advice off I'm like kind of like if I'm dishing it out like you've got to start being able to take it and to a point I'm very good at kind of you know talking myself down and being like okay what's rational here what isn't and joe is like i mean i'm very fortunate he's a great leveler he's very good at just being like even if i'm just like oh look at this person they're doing a great thing he's like well you could be doing that if you wanted to and you've chosen not to do that thing it's so funny when people say that to you i had this conversation yeah. with actually rebecca reed who we both know and um and i said to her she was saying something about something she didn't do and i said oh yeah um i give loads of advice to people to go do things and you can make anything happen and yet the sort of three things i want most in my life i haven't done yeah because i'm too scared to do them not because they're beyond my reach just because i've been like oh they're too important to me yeah so i don't want to taint it by even trying yeah (laughs) i think that's it and you kind of get into your own head even if it's something really trivial online like i don't know you see someone making this is a really terrible example but i'm gonna use it like a really cool reel on instagram yeah and or like talking about certain things and just like well you could be doing that like you could be doing that but you're you're not and that's that's you've chosen not to do that either because it's not the kind of thing you want to do and you or the kind of content you enjoy or because it's just not something that spread that you're that we want to do right now and I'm like oh yeah yeah but I think like typically like 
it just I try and like you know there's people I follow online I'm like okay I can, like I'm really lucky that I've got a really good kind of circuit of friends that I can talk to about yeah. wobbles and they feel very similarly and they're able mm-hmm. to kind of say the right thing and vice versa but I think it's just knowing the things that can pick you up and knowing it's okay to like step away from it as well yeah. and like just be like okay it's okay to indulge myself in feeling mm-hmm. a bit shitty every now and again and you know as long as it's like I think sometimes if it goes on for a bit of a while like okay we need to deal with this properly but sometimes she's like had a crap couple of days like I can wallow in it a little bit like we're human what do you think the future of the job you do is like influencing do you think it's going to remain on Instagram I I honestly couldn't tell you I'd love to be able to tell you because I think that's the one thing especially with this year I feel like we're all kind of just like what is the future of anything but I do feel like I, I, love, I love security, I love like knowing, like I kind of to a point love the idea of being in a kind of nine to five mm-hmm. in an office because I feel like there's kind of that consistency with the everyday and every month you get paid yeah. and then you have appraisals and it's very much like of routine and I know someone on the other side might be like oh, all I want to do is be freelance yeah. but I think I just couldn't tell you in the last 10 years it's changed enormously for great reasons, for less great reasons but I don't. I no idea. And what what do you have that you want to do? Is there anything left? God, I just. Oh, I there is, but I feel like some. I've kind of just taken everything in my stride mm-hmm. to a point, which sounds like I. If you'd have told me when I started, I'd write. I'd have written a book. I'd have been like, no. That's what I'm saying because that's enormous. That's enormous, yeah. and I just feel like so grateful that I've had the opportunities that I've had. That I'm kind of like anything feels like a bonus like I feel like I almost feel spoiled sometimes I'm like I don't deserve mm-hmm. any of this like what like mm-hmm. I've conned everyone but it is just this kind of thing that I'm like, if I can continue doing what I'm doing and almost keep this community and even especially with the Insecure Girls Club I'd love to grow that in a way and I'd love to like I work with one other person on it now mm. um Charlotte who's incredible I'd love to perhaps that to be something that could have more voices and even like pay more writers and just that to be a bigger thing that's something I'm navigating because I'm like I'm, te- I'm a terrible business person like I just the whole you're creative who's inadvertently oh like yeah. anything with like even like tax returns I just cannot yeah. get my head around it and I find it very stressful but I'd love to be able to be more business minded with that so mm-hmm. I could grow things yeah in a good in a healthy way which doesn't feel overwhelming and scary yeah now I'm going to finish by asking you the questions I ask all my guests okay that I did I did outline to you at the beginning and you said you were struggling a bit with that yeah <laughs> um, first one advice to your younger self at any age what would you say um it'll be okay it'll like it's weird sometimes I think oh everything happens for a reason and in some ways I really believe that in some ways I'm just like that is bollocks Mm -hmm. because there's so much shit going on in the world that it it possibly can't possibly but I do think it'll be okay like you'll work it out like if things don't go right it's not the end like it's okay um and actually you can learn something from everything going wrong greatest achievement personal or professional oh god um just oh, i don't know like oh there's so many there's like one half of me the sappy half of me is really like oh just keeping a really great friendship group and having a loving family and great boyfriend and being able to maintain that feels like such an achievement because i feel like i've like i've got such a great network of people around me i feel so lucky to have and support me that i'm just like that's quite a big achievement because i've not annoyed everyone <laughs> to disappear but also just being able to like be like be self-sufficient mm-hmm. for 10 nearly 10 years and like have a business and 
That's quite quite good sometimes. Three guests, dead or alive, that you'd have at a dinner party. This is really stressful. <laughs> I'm still like I I think when you first asked me this, I was um, troubled by this question because I always feel like I never give this enough thought. Please um, say the same person. You I'm said. gonna say the first person I said before was Bob Mortimer, yes. and I do stand by that because I feel like. I, I, this is all subject to change. Like, if you ask me this in a week's time, mm-hmm. it would still be Bob Mortimer, but the other guests might change. But I feel like he's... A, I love him to bits. I think he's the funniest person. He's really normal. But I think mm-hmm. he'd just be, like, a real comfort at a dinner mm-hmm. table. And you could put anyone else with him and he'd just make everyone laugh. Yeah. Um, you always need someone like that at a you, dinner party who can, like, carry it a bit. Yeah. you're generally, like, getting the food or the drinks. Well, and that's the like thing. That. You yeah. just need someone that everyone feels relaxed around and can, like, yeah. crack a few jokes but not be, like too obnoxiously yeah. loud he'd be great mm. and I think yeah what well, a funny story when I launched my book um mm. my agents they gave me a card and in it they had like do you know do you know what do you know pogs like little I think they're called pogs but like cutouts of Mark Ronson and Bob Mortimer's okay. face yeah that just fell out and I was that's like what the <laughs> so that's that's the thing I do like Bob Mortimer why Mark um, Ronson yeah, I do like Mark Ronson oh, as well okay. I mean I, I do, maybe I'd invite him to dinner but I feel like I'd be like a bit intimidated by having a lot of very cool people I was going to say he's quite cool he's very cool yeah like, I really like him but I think I'd be a little bit intimidated yeah, yeah. by I'd how like intimidated by him he's someone like he could be really standoffish yeah he's he, actually cool yeah, yeah he's probably really nice He's. I, I get yeah. the impression he's nice he's quite self-deprecating which I find quite endearing mm. um, because obviously that's it's my brand yeah um um, I did say George Harrison as well. Um, I feel like I just... But again, that's... For the think, music or for him? A bit of both. Oh. I feel like the music... Also, but then I feel like I... But then I'm like, I can't... It's like, Why him over other Beatles? I well, mean, this is what I'm trying to... I quite I, like I've got my mindset on you, but... But <laughs> this is what I've just thought now. Yeah. Just, there's actually a really great George Harrison music video I'm going to send you after this okay, um, yeah. that you have to watch. Yeah. Um, but now I'm actually like, oh, McCartney, because he's alive and he's... He could, I feel like he could... But I mean... I can be dead. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, because you're allowed dead or alive. Could invite. John. And as I said, he was also a Harry Krishna, which yeah, I enjoyed. Yeah, could invite John, but I, I, I think I'd leave Ringo. Maybe mm. Ringo, maybe thirty or forty years ago, I would have had, but <laughs> no one ever cares about Ringo, do they? I, I do like Ringo. I just think now he's he's just. I don't know. I, I like him less yeah. now than I ever have. So all music, well, not all music, but lots of music. Yeah, in there. I'm just trying to. Oh, true to your roots. Yeah, true to my roots. I know. Yeah. I feel like there's one more. There's got to be somewhere. I'm gonna get home and I'm gonna be like, no. Well, I tell you what. If you change your mind, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll please put do. Your, it's full extensive. Do you know what? It's gonna have like honestly, please, please refer to the show notes. Everyone. Please refer. To <laughs> it's the show gonna notes. be like fifty extra guests. Also, I am going to. I am aware that we've spoken a lot about everything but not so much about beauty so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get Liv to run through her beauty hit list and we're going to do that in a video so again I'm going to link to that underneath gorgeous um, before I let Liv leave my world thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.